All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SOLA, the singleness podcast. SOLA is short for solidarity, which is my fun made-up word that includes the Spanish word for alone, or even like single person, and uh, solidarity, which means togetherness and unity. So trying to bring these two concepts that are sort of opposite together. But guess what, guys? Today I have one of my very best friends, Felicia Jordan, on the podcast with me. Say hi, Felicia. Hi. (laughs) Felicia and I are doing something that I haven't done yet, which is record a podcast over Zoom. Um, I'm recording on my microphone. She's recording on her phone. And so I don't know what the quality will be like. Hopefully better than if we were just to record the Zoom sound, right? Hopefully. But at least we get to see each other. Yeah. So, Felicia, tell my listeners about yourself and maybe even our friendship. Because now that Felicia's on the podcast, all of my best friends have been guests. Sorry it took... She's she's the only married one of my very best friends. So I just, like, waited. (laughs) True. I've never been on a podcast before. So, here we go. So, I guess about me. Um, Okay. I am married. I've been married for nine years. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's crazy. And I have two kids. One is four and one is 12. They're both adopted. I was going to say, you had a kid before marriage. I know. They're both adopted. Uh, that that would go against the purity culture, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about purity culture today, and that would be so crazy. But, like, we've thought about this before, haven't we? Is that Ijigayu, your daughter, she's 12. Mm -hmm. She was born when we were, like, freshmen in college. That's so crazy. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm moving to Ethiopia in a week. Literally one week. Um, yeah. Literally one week. Um, I'm a teacher. I have a degree in elementary and special education. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I think that's the, the main points about me. I mean. <laughs> yes. So why are you moving to Ethiopia during a worldwide pandemic? Oh, I mean, isn't that the best time to move to another place? Oh, where, where you're tell me your sources. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Obviously not ideal, but this was planned prior. Yeah, we're moving to Ethiopia to uh, get a visa for our daughter to come here. And this is the only way to do that. And then um, also I'll be teaching in Ethiopia and um, doing it's like ministry and teaching together because it's a Christian school and it's a... Uh, 501c3 kind of thing yeah that's amazing we were just talking about this but felicia um felicia and barry so one of the things that i think is really great about you being on my podcast is felicia and barry are who i name my original match you know i always talk about my like matches that i've made and they're all different types of matches you know they're not all just like blind dates or anything but felicia and barry are my like first one because Felicia and I have known each other since we were 14 or something probably I was in eighth grade 13 14 yeah 
Yeah. Well, you were 13. I was 14. I'm the old lady. <laughs> That's true. You're older than me. Yes. And we met in youth group. Yeah. Barry was also there some time around the same time. Not to my knowledge. <laughs> Not to Felicia's knowledge. Definitely to mine. He's a tall dude. And he's he's kind of quiet. But like... Not crazy quiet, um, but normally guys like that for me are like some kind of project. You know, I'm like, I'm going to crack them. Like, I'm going to get to find this guy's personality, you know, and that just says so much about me. Um, <laughs> and Barry was like, who is this psycho? And but so he kind of had his fun. Um, but it turns out, wow, what a what a guy, what a dude. And um the story of even mine and Felicia's friendship. And I'll say this, and I actually really want to know what you're like, what you remember your first impressions of me were. But Felicia came in after I'd been at the church for like a little while, maybe a year. And I just knew that this was going to be my friend because she's just deeper than like the other girls were. No offense if any of you were listening, other girls. Um, doubt it. But <laughs> if they are, we all know Felicia's deep. So the point is, I um, I knew we could, like, talk about Jesus. And, like, I was just such a serious kid. You should probably tell people about the way I was when we were younger. <laughs> so we got to be these little, like, early teens um, Jesus freaks. And Felicia came to church on her own, whereas, like, I came with my family. Her grandma would drop her off. That's how, like, like serious she was about going to church. And uh, so now you got some two holy rollers on this podcast today talking about purity culture, and we're just going to shove it down your throats. I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so what was it like for you meeting me, like, when you came to our church? And, yeah, like, why was it so important for you to go to a youth group as, like, a 14, 13, 14-year-old 14 on your own? Yeah, I mean, so when I came to the church, I had just left a youth group that um, kind of dismantled because the church was kind of um, dismantling. And yeah, um, I went to another youth group for a little bit um, with a friend slash mentor who had who I had from the original youth group. But it was just a really far drive and um, my parents wouldn't take me on Sundays and she would come pick me up. But I just I, don't, I just didn't feel like I was fitting in with the girls there and or anybody there, um, and I wanted yeah. to find something closer to home, so I, um, I think it was important for me, because I didn't feel, like, I needed people that understood me, like, my family is not, um, Christian, so they never really understood me, and then mm. I had friends at school, but a lot of them weren't Christian either, and so, um, yeah, it, like, it's really lonely if you don't have Christian family or Christian friends, so, Youth yeah. group was really important to me. So I think I came pretty desperate for some, I guess, community, which I wouldn't have used that word then because I don't think I knew that was what that was. But yeah, looking back, community. And yeah, I think I was <laughs> really eager to f be friends with anyone who'd want to be friends with me. So I kind of, <laughs> I didn't ping pong, but like I met lots of people and yeah, just kind of found my niche with you because probably because of the same things that you were deep and actually like genuine where some of them I mm -hmm. <laughs> realized oh this is interesting we so. had some just squirrely girlfriends they just yeah. wanted to laugh and scream well and, and I so I'm like the oldest okay. 
in my family, like as far as my siblings go, but I'm mm. always been the youngest in my grade because I started school early. So I'm used to being around people, even if they're just one year older than me, I'm usually drawn to like the older, people. older people. So yeah. Yeah. Like the girls, my age or younger, I was just like, what in the heck is happening? <laughs> I don't <laughs> what know. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So for real. Yeah. So, yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about what I was like as a teenager. Because I, I definitely, like, in a lot of ways, I'm the same. But yeah. I'm different now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're definitely very serious about your faith. Like, I wouldn't say more serious than you are now, but I just think, like, the seriousness has shifted differently, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but still, like, fun and silly and goofy. Oh, like, yeah. We had I mean, so much fun. Yeah, lots of fun. But, I mean, I don't know if it's really normal for, like, 16-year-old girls to just sit in their car for, like, two hours and chalk seriously and deep. Like, I don't I think that's <laughs> what high schoolers do for fun, but that's what we did for fun. We did. And we loved it. I would, it. like, yeah. So, like, probably by sophomore year, we were, like, attached at the hip, I would say. Like, I remember sometime during sophomore year, I just, like would get home and I just call Felicia on the phone <laughs> and we lived like 10 minutes from each other. So I could, we could have just hung out, which a lot of times we did. We would go like get Starbucks or, you know, something and just chill. But that was just so funny. I just remember so often. And this is when you would have to use the home phone. So, uh-huh. or at least I did. I remember using the home phone, even though I had I mean, a cell phone. I had a cell phone. Yeah. I don't, but I we, don't remember. I had the one where, you know, you paid per minute and per text. I think by high so. school I had a uh, – I don't remember. I think we probably still had limited minutes, but I think I added you to my circle, my T-Mobile circle. Oh, no, oh, we yes. both had T-Mobile, so we could call each other for free. Oh, you were right. That mobile is true. Mobile I just don't remember when that happened because I sometimes I would call you on the landline. Yeah. But anyway – I just, we would, it's like, we never ran out of things to talk about, even Mm -mm. if I just saw you, you know, the day before there was just plenty of things to talk about. Um, I mean, I think some serious things happened in high school too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're there for each other. Yeah, Uh, for sure. I, I got to know your family and, you know, learn to love them. They're, they're psychos and it's in the best way. Like, (laughs) yeah, they're just so much personality in the Bentleys. Yeah. (laughs) Like God, you know, you ever see those memes where it's like, or like, it's like a TikTok video, you know, when God's like pouring in certain things in people. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, the Bentleys, he was like, they can have extra personality. Yeah. Way too much. Uh, So much. So all of them are characters and I love them. But yeah, I think that was what was inspiring to me about you is that, you know, your family, they like, I mean, I think they still, and I I don't know that they would ever listen to this podcast episode too, but they could. They've always been up and down about, you know, like, what does it mean for Felicia to follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean for us to believe what she believes or maybe not believe it, you know, and then like, how do you guys fit together? Because I do think there's like a loyalty there for sure. But yeah, I think for you, you know, you did, you were right. Like you needed to seek out that community and mm-hmm. support system. Um, yeah. So I'm just so glad it was in my life. 
And yeah. Well, and it's funny because I always felt so inspired by my friends that had Christian families because I always wanted that. And so I was like, oh. That's so funny. Like, I felt so inspired by your family and, like, the fact that, like, like, I used to not really go to church on Sundays very much after, like, once I went to a church that didn't have, like, a youth group service on Sundays because I didn't like mm-hmm. being in the big service alone. Um, yeah. It felt, it just, that, that was really hard. But, like, your family just always let me sit with them. And, I mean, a lot of the youth sat together, too. But, yeah, like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I can, I can do this. Like, I have people. And so that just was, like, so inspiring to me to see that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think also just like learning everyone's family is different. And like even my family, even if we all went to church, like we have our own issues too. You learn that more the older you get, right? Like, right. Yeah. Which is like kind of a hard part of adulthood. But yeah. But yeah, so Felicia and I wanted to talk about purity culture because we were in this youth group together and. I I honestly think our youth group was pretty great. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it was so typical in so many ways. And, um, but I just think there was so much space for us to learn and grow and um, be discipled and become leaders and kind of have a vision for our life. And so I got to preach a couple times I got to help lead the youth group and Felicia did too um we like organized the events and like we had a lot of say you know and like what went on our youth pastor was amazing um we had like two different youth pastors and I I honestly think they were both great um but Cameron who was our youth pastor for our high school years just for me and I really do hope he listens to this episode Cameron, if he hadn't been our youth pastor, I don't know that I would have learned what my gifts are or like had gone down the path I did because by the time I was 16, I was like, this is what I need to be doing is ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, um, which might've been why it was so serious, (laughs) but yeah, that's a little bit my, uh, my thought is like Cameron gave us so many opportunities and so I feel like he was really focused on helping us be equipped to share our faith and to love our neighbor and um, not just, I don't know, not settle for like a life that was less than and boring, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but to have that abundant life. Yeah. I feel like he was very, like, I feel like his goal was for us to know our like true selves and our true purpose and like. Like, yeah. I remember he gave me a Bible when we graduated from high school, and in it he wrote, like, mm-hmm. I hope that you can see yourself someday the way that I see you, the way that God sees you. And I just think that was his, like, main wow. goal was to see, like, for you as his youth to see yourself the way that God sees you and, like, what you have to offer. Because, I mean, all middle school and high schoolers are super insecure and just, like, <laughs> lost. And so, like, the fact but he, like, he pressed into that and nurtured that. And I don't think yeah. that that's always done in youth group. I think that's a pretty actually unique thing. Um, yeah. And, but so vital to my life. Like mm-hmm. I needed that because I was the most lost insecure person. And I didn't think I had any giftings or had anything to offer anybody. I did. I thought my legacy 
was nothing because I didn't come from anything. Yeah. I didn't come from a Christian family or anything, so I I couldn't be anything. But he, Mm. he painted a different narrative, so. Yeah. Yeah, clearly it was very, it was very formative for us and some of our Mm -hmm. friends and, you know, my siblings, too. Um, Yeah. Cameron Martin, you're a good dude. We love you. We'll make sure he listens to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like he just will. But yeah, so we're in we're in this youth group and we're having fun and we got to do, you know, these like ministry trips to Los Angeles and there was even like Mexicoans and mm-hmm. some people went to Ecuador. I never got to do that. But um, me either. We went, we, yeah, we attended a Foursquare church, which is like a sort of Pentecostal light, as I like to call it. It's a little bit charismatic, but yeah. it's kind of its own denomination. It was yeah. started by a woman in Los Angeles um, in like the late 19 teens. And yeah, she really wanted to reach the poor and the minorities in the States. And so it was kind of this like, crazy awesome revival mm-hmm. and her name's amy semple mcpherson they do indoctrinate us a little bit don't they because i would know her name <laughs> yeah well we also went to like her house museum, or museum yeah thing yeah in la so it's so be. funny to me because it feels very it feels very niche like like no like who knows about foursquare but you ask people they'll know like yeah steven said he got saved in foursquare he and jessica both got saved well, jack we Hayf- went to a church there jack hayford is not his name mm-hmm. he's like the um uh what do they call him board member thing for my church well my oh. church my church is like original like because my church is a plant but like like yeah. my pastor knows him and like he's like a mentor to my pa- i was like yeah. what that's so weird because my church is not foursquare <laughs> by the way yes yeah so <laughs> And yeah, and I don't, I haven't attended a Foursquare church since leaving high school. I don't even um, know of any other Foursquare churches. Oh, I know of a ton. But I just, I think, I also think they're more common on the West Coast anyway. But I don't know. So this is like something we started to talk about is like, um, we were talking recently about purity culture mm-hmm. and just together, the two of us. And we were sort of thinking back on our youth group days and Basically, the way I set up Barry and Felicia, too, just to add this on, is that, like, when one boy broke my heart, the girls in the youth group thought I should move on to Barry, Felicia's now husband, and they kept teasing me. But Barry, like I said, he's very quiet, and he's just more introverted, and I thought, no, there's no way, because, like, he'll just hate me. (laughs) Like, he would not want me as, like, a romantic partner. Um, we actually make very good friends because I have some of my favorite conversations with him, but, um, and the height. but I was I'm right. <laughs> the height. Oh, I know I'm five, two and he's like seven, three. I'm just kidding. No, six, four. Uh, <laughs> that's still pretty tall. It is. Um, yeah. So all that to say, I was like, it's just not going to happen, but he's amazing. He's such an amazing dude. And these were the days Felicia and I would cruise around after school, like every day. And I remember, Literally, I think we were driving past Arcadia High School, Barry's school, which is like Felicia's rival high school. And she was like, well, Barry's cute, you know, and I I feel like it was because I was telling her it's not that I don't think he's cute. I just don't think it would work. 
And she was like, yeah, Barry is cute. And I was like, you think he's cute? (laughs) And she's like, I mean, yeah, he is. Like, she really tried to be casual about it. But then that it was the moment the seed took in my heart of like, this will happen. (laughs) So I don't even remember why I thought it was even a good idea to encourage you to invite him to your prom. I don't know why. I know someone else was also invite or like encouraging it. Yeah. Well, I think that part of the teasing was that you just shifted it from you to me. So, okay. I think you were, you were trying to kind of, I mean, I think you did think this was a good idea, but also I was like, well, great. Let's just pawn this (laughs) off on her and they can stop teasing me about Barry. (laughs) And then, so then all the other girls got in on it too. Yes. See, Mm-hmm. I'm a brilliant woman. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I mean, nine years of marriage. Yeah, it worked. Plus and four years worked. of dating. So, Oh, God. <laughs> Your relationship is a teenager? God. <laughs> oh. Weird. Wow. That is so weird. It's just, yeah. I'm 30. Felicia will be 30 very soon. Mm-hmm. And so we're not old, but it just feels like feels like we're getting there it just tells you i was very young when we started dating and married that's all yes well and i just remember those days we spent together um they were just the best you know we had so much fun and i mean you really were my very best friend in high school you know even we didn't even go to the same school or anything no but i just would like once i was finally done with things i'm like let's go hang out with felicia yeah, being like single and like not having boyfriends, but like dreaming about life. And we're both really romantic people. So when basically I did, I was pawning Barry off and the teasing of, of Barry off on Felicia. And I don't think you minded it. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> and and then I basically with the three of us would talk after youth group and then I'd walk away. Yeah, I'd make up some excuse. And that happened enough times where they became friends and then Felicia and I went and hung out with him and his friends like a few times because we went to his basketball games we would just hang out after yep we would do that we were kind of like sneaky (laughs) we were you were sneaky (laughs) I would not have been brave enough to do that by myself so this is like the you know genesis of my matchmaking because the romantic energy it takes to be like, I'm going to make this work. It feels just as good as any crush. Like it really does. I don't, you haven't ever matchmade, have you Felicia? I don't Uh, No, I have like, you want called, you I've called to. it in my head. Like I've, I've, <laughs> okay. I've said like, all oh, those people are going to end up together and they do, but I've never yes. done anything to make it happen. I've just, yes. I've had the intuition that it will work out, but yeah, exactly. Well, I've just, I like to act on that, those intuitions, but so anyway, we were in this youth group and it wasn't like we were discouraged from dating, No, <laughs> but also people were not discouraged from having sex either, you know, and, yeah. but we weren't talking about it really. Um, Cameron, Cameron's one big like talk he gave to us about it was more just helping us understand that we have our entire lives to have sex if we get married. Um, and I, and I really liked that analogy of like, he, cause he doesn't, he didn't, it didn't like shame anyone, you know, but it was just, he did like this timeline of like, look, if you get married, you know, in your twenties or thirties, like 
and then you're married into, into your 70s, you likely will be able to have 40 years of sex, like, <laughs> and as much as you want. And I don't know. I mean, looking back, it was very simple and mm-hmm. it was appealing to some kind of logic, right? Um, and he did admit, like, you are going to want so badly to have sex, especially when you're younger and you're full of hormones and stuff. But I don't know. It just was kind of a funny talk. It wasn't like there was no like kind of purity culture added to it or like uh, men's and women's roles or anything like that. And if it did, it went over my head. Like, (laughs) so honestly, I didn't feel like we were discouraged from being normal teenagers. I didn't feel like we were encouraged to be hyper spiritual even. You know, I think they created a lot of space for us to experience God and um, they had so much grace for us and our peers. But I still, yeah, I still think maybe the conversation was lacking. Mm-hmm. And there was one camp that I don't know if you went to where they, I remember them splitting up the guys and the girls and giving a sex talk. Mm-hmm. That was something like sand in water and like it gets murky. Like that was the metaphor they used. And I was like, it was confusing to me. And I just, it, again, it kind of like went in one ear out the other because it just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But serious little Bridget didn't even kiss anybody, you know. And um, she was like, of course I'm not having sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's how she, that's how I was because th- that that wasn't awakened in me like I don't think I got boy crazy until I was like 17 you know and even then I like was very wise about it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> anyway so that was like my experience is that I you know we didn't have daddy daughter dances we didn't have purity rings that were like forced upon us in our youth group um and the youth group I came from before that in like the first part of middle school uh, was like falling apart, you know, it was small. So there was no time to talk about that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember in my super Pentecostal church or my semi Lutheran church, them talking about any of that. So I escaped. And then also my parents, because they became Christians when I was a kid, I don't think they knew how to give those kind of talks or like the like classic nineties way that was happening, you know, or I guess it would have been early two thousands, but still. Um, Yeah. So they, I don't, I must've, I must've said this before on my podcast, but my mom never has talked to me about this stuff. She hardly even taught me how to have my period. Um, So yeah. And then um, my dad gave me two, talks about sex one was what the bible says and it was like i don't know it just didn't stick it wasn't sticky you know um and and then the secondly he told me about all types of sex including gay sex and i was like i was like 11 and i was like why are you telling me this dad (laughs) he tells me i I don't want you to find out the hard way (laughs) i go this is the hard way (laughs) (laughs) So I think he thought it was like, I think that was his version of be like, just like give her the information, you know? Yeah, of course. But, um, I really hope he didn't do that to my siblings. (laughs) Uh. Oh, Alan G. He's just, 
He's a funny one. One of a kind. One of a kind. So that was my experience. Uh, what was your take? I mean, you also had a little bit different before. Right. Our church. So the so the church that I came from before Foursquare was Baptist church. So, you know, that's quite <laughs> a jump in... Um, For sure. Theology and just everything. Which I yeah. don't think... That's the thing about growing up in a non-Christian home... Like, I didn't, I don't think I really knew about all the denominations of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I just thought church was church, you know? So I, I didn't care. I didn't yeah. know what, I didn't know what Foursquare meant and until <laughs> I got there and it was like, oh, well, at this church, like, I don't, I still don't think I really understood the denomination thing until I got older because I was like, oh, at this church, like, they didn't do that or whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So very conservative. And then the, my, like, mentor in that youth group remained my mentor all through high school even though I had left that church because she had left that church too and mm-hmm. she and her husband her, she was she is 10 years older than me so and then her husband became a youth pastor and far away from where I lived and but she still remained my mentor um yeah but from kind of similar background so yeah I mean I definitely grew up in a youth group before the one that I went to with you uh with a lot of uh purity talking modesty talking we had a pledge night with you pledge your purity that you won't have sex (laughs) till you're married and then you can I mean they didn't have purity rings they gave out but like I remember asking my parents if they could buy me a purity ring because like all the other girls were getting one and I think I mean I don't I think as my parents were probably like oh that sounds like a great idea for my kid (laughs) like I mean but yeah, they probably were like, "Okay, that sounds safe. Sure, I'll buy you a beer." <laughs> like, so, but with the pledge night, what did that look like? Like, would yes, you sign you something, something and then like, um, I don't think I have it anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen it. You had to have been like twelve. Yeah, I'm. Well, yeah, I probably was in seventh grade or eighth. I because I can't remember when in eighth grade I came to our youth group. I thought it was like halfway through the year. Yeah, That's so I, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. Um, yeah, so I was 12 or 13, somewhere between 11 and 13, probably 11 or 12. And I mean, I think I knew what I was pledging at the same time. Not really. Like, yeah, like it's just something I think you sign it and your parents sign it. I I don't know. I don't remember if my parents came. I don't feel like they, I don't remember. It was at night. It was like a candle. It seemed like a candlelight service. It was very like, (laughs) my jaw just dropped. Intimate. It's, it's like, like sexy, sexy. <laughs> right. like, yeah. or like cultish, like yes. you're getting in. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cultish. Anyway, we did it. And I mean, I wore that pretty ring till I got married. Cause I just didn't. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many girls, like I knew so many girls that had them and like, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't, I mean, and it's fine. I don't like, I'm not, if you have a pretty ring, good for you. I think it's fine. Like, yes. I don't think but for for context we graduated high school in 08 so like like our adolescence was the early 2000s where this stuff was rampant like right like there's like a whole like business off of purity rings like god (laughs) you know I don't I don't know I don't think that's still a thing but maybe I should show you my purity ring I don't have one but I I have tried to act like some were my purity rings uh just in my adulthood (laughs) yeah and can I well I lost my first purity ring it fell off somewhere in the field that sounds sketchy but when you were making out with Barry 
no, this is before I even met Barry. Oh. <laughs> my first one, like, I didn't have it for very long. Um, yeah. And it felt like I lost it. It fell off. So, But my second one that I got, it, this is how cheesy they are. But this was, like, mm-hmm. literally, like, written purity ring, like, when you buy it. It's like a heart wrapped like a present. A little bow. So it's like a heart that has like yeah. It looks like a package present, like a, like a bow around it. Like you're. You should look it up on the internet if you can find one, so I can like post it as the picture on Solidarity Podcast. I'll post it. I'll find it for you. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can take a picture of it too if you want. But I might be a little <laughs> worn. But yeah, I'll find it. I'll find you a picture. And put it up. A wrapped up heart, wrapped up in a bow. Yep. Yeah. So then you know I went to this youth group which it wasn't really talked about one way or the other but I feel like I had such a solid like foundation laid before me (laughs) and then was still being mentored with similar like theology so I just was like Mm -hmm. this is just what I mean this is also in the era where I kissed dating goodbye was like the hottest book for us to be reading which I mean I know the author has like yeah wish she never even wrote that book but that, and I mean, he's I like denounced book. Christianity, I think. Oh, I didn't know he denounced Christianity. I'm pretty sure. This might be a rumor. Oh. Hopefully we're not spreading rumors. Fact checking. Someone fact check it. Thank you. Yeah, Joshua Harris <laughs> is his name in case you need the, the name. But exactly. yeah, so that's like, you know, I read that book and I, I mean, I was very much told like, like, swimsuits need to be like one pieces or you have to wear Mm -hmm. a shirt over them like I remember we did at my old youth group water park days and being 11 11 in youth group I know that's young I was like I said a young youth group but like wearing this giant t-shirt at the water park over my swimsuit because I didn't have like a one piece and I'm like watching my youth pastor stand in line in front of me with no shirt on and then just like being like this is so weird that you don't have a shirt on. Like, I remember that at 11 thinking like, why do I have to wear my dad's giant shirt long enough to cover my whole swimsuit? You know, cause I didn't have a <laughs> yeah. shirt that big, but you can see in front of me without a shirt on and it's fine. And like, you're yeah. a youth pastor, like, and I can see you without your shirt off, but yeah. I'm 11 year old kid. Like I just want to wear whatever, probably some Disney swimsuit. <laughs> yeah. Nothing even like For sexy. Sure. Well, and, and this is like, this is where we run into problem number one. Right. And, and you know, I, I think that some of this per, is perpetuated in like secular culture too. It's not just Christian, but I, it's probably comes from like the, you know, misogynistic Christian, you know, Definitely. ethic for lack of a better word. But, yeah. you know, because it's like, there were probably school trips we had, right. Where we would have to wear a cover up for bathing suits if you're a girl. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, I remember in seventh grade, I got sent to the nurse's office because when I raised my hand, my, like, an inch or half an inch of my stomach showed from my shirt. My shirt rode up that much, and I got sent to the nurse's office to change my shirt. Not not that I was wearing a belly shirt to school. Just that when I raised my hand, you could see an inch of my stomach. And that that would be absurd if that happened to a guy, right? Oh yeah, like I'm sure a that boy, I mean. most of the time when a boy raised his hand, you could see his stomach. <laughs> maybe yeah. Well, maybe not. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Baggy shirts were kind of in. Yeah, '90s. Yeah, but still, I mean, like, it's just true. Like, 
this is the thing that, you know, we're running into. We're 30 years old. And I think that we're looking back on our adolescence and realizing that we were kids and that because of purity culture, um, although sex was not talked about in a healthy way, we were sexualized by these things. And so being an 11 year old being like, you need to cover up your body and not even explaining it well, because what was the explanation, right? My stomach was showing and I, I, I felt so embarrassed. I remember like crying, like begging my, like apologizing to my teacher. Like I won't, I'll keep my hands down all day. Like, please don't make me go. Cause yeah. that's the thing about in middle school at least. And probably in high school, like when you get sent to the nurse's office to change your shirt, it's a humongous freaking shirt. Like everyone knows that shirt yeah. is the nurse's office shirt and it's embarrassing. Yes. It's like wearing a yeah. scarlet letter and it's like, it's all, totally humiliating. Yeah. yeah. And it's just because my shirt wrote up. Like I didn't even like, yeah. it's not like my shirt had anything inappropriate on it. <laughs> like, yeah. And the problem with your belly showing is what, right? It's well, like, right. is it distract? It's distracting to boys. Yeah. At okay, youth like, group, it's the, you know, at church, it's, it'll cause your brothers in Christ to stumble. Mm-hmm. So different language, same idea. Same idea. Um, yeah. I think that something I notice so often is that purity culture centers the male as the, the beneficiary of purity culture. Right. Um, that, uh, you know, his virginal wife will arrive to him untouched and pure. And um, it almost seems like, regardless of his sexual past (laughs) because boys will be boys and they're going to struggle with this because they're much hornier than girls are. And they're, they're much more visual. Like these are the things I did hear, you know? And I think part of it was just from my dad. He was so afraid for us for how boys would look. Cause he would modesty is the, the way purity culture affected me. Um, Yeah. Same here. You know, I think, yeah, I think more than us hearing much about sex or feeling a lot of like that there was like a lot spoken to us about this moment, having sex, whatever. Like it was just about having to be and look a certain way mm-hmm. um, in order to be counted as good and yeah, behaving, I guess, you know, yeah. um, sort of equivocated to like holiness, too, wasn't it? Yeah. And it's like, I remember going um, to, like, with my other youth group, going to um, youth camp, and we would we would go to California, so we would have, like, beach days. Yeah. And I just remember, like, I almost felt like I had to, like, it's not just, like, covering up, it's almost like making yourself unattractive. Like, <laughs> okay, I have my swimsuit on, but I can't wear it because they might see something. So let me get these long board shorts to cover that up and then wear a tank oh, top God. over it. And it's like, and Please I would wear look that. like a boy. Yeah, so I look like a boy and, and I don't like, I don't feel like I wasn't wearing anything like, oh, I want all the boys to look at me like, ooh, like I didn't actually care mm-hmm. about that. But like, I think you always just want to look nice or feel comfortable or feel cute, like feel confident. And I felt like, yeah, so, and be free. I felt so homely, just like, <laughs> here I am in my long boy, boy, board shorts and my tank top. Yeah. Like, 
beach days like not as fun as it should be right and especially like for me like I was a little chubbier in middle school and like the beginnings of high school and so like I already had body issues that I inherited from my family and like already didn't feel great about myself and then like to like dress down and like look like a yeah little mess like it's just like the like purity culture does the it's all about the man and like how helping them stay protected but it's also like destroying a woman's like body image too at the same time yeah and I want to even just point out you know you called yourself a little chubbier I wouldn't even use that word Felicia you were not you were like normal middle school early high school body yeah, but that's true. you had things spoken to you that were lies and about your body image and so right. even still today you'll say that so easily like right you know but also so. it's hard when you have friends that are like it's literally a stick and you're not a stick like yeah but you're a stick <laughs> I I have seen I have seen your body change right Um, and you know without getting into it one time I got in a fight with one of our friends moms because she accused Felicia of bulimia um, just because Felicia was kind of naturally going through like the maturing process and looking like her face was like thinning out and stuff like that and getting taller and losing the baby baby yeah you get on around your cheeks so that's what I'm saying is like you said you were chubbier and really honestly it was just like you were still going through puberty like yeah it's, it's you that know. little baby like you lose your baby yeah. face and start looking like an adult woman <laughs> yes and uh one of our friend's moms was scared of that I guess and <laughs> of the of the babe Felicia and she she insinuated that and we got into a screaming <laughs> well I didn't scream but no. yes she screamed at me yes <laughs> And then all my friends hid. Um, Literally hid. <laughs> I was fine until I went to leave. And then I just bawled on the driveway. Because I was like, did that literally just happen? Yeah, that was the craziest thing. That's one of the craziest things that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And we were in college by then. So there you go. Even into college, we were going into our sophomore years in college. You know, you're having adults say crap like that to you. People who let you into their home that speak to you about God, you know, they say things to you and things are said to girls about their bodies all the time all the and time. not to boys. No, not to boys. Never. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, we've been talking about privilege and uh, like kind of like majority culture in all of this all the conversation and discourse that's going on with, you know, Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, I'm going to say the resurgence of this movement in 2020, it's always moved, you know, but it's just that, you know, everyone's talking about it more. Yeah. Yeah. So all that to say, I think that I'm starting to notice how, like, you know, we, we center men you know, in our culture. And a lot of times when you're in the privileged group, what you are is considered normal. And so what is normal is never critiqued, right? right, right. Like, like the, the status quo isn't critiqued. Yeah. So if you're a boy, you're normal. Right. If you're a girl, you're not. Um, yeah. Which is crazy <laughs> because whatever. This is, and this is the stuff that 
you know, when people hear that they're not normal or that their experience isn't normal, that's when trauma happens, you know, and people like start to have suicidal ideations and like, anyway, we could go deeper, like, you know, down that rabbit trail, but all that said is like, I think this is the conversation that we were having a couple of weeks ago that was really kind of like unpacking some layers for me mm-hmm. is that growing up when you're in purity culture or maybe even mainstream culture, like, yeah. I don't know. There's I so think many there's some cultures. modesty purity culture in, in the mainstream culture. Yeah. Like in like Western American culture, at least in the schools, it, it, school in schools and it does. I mean, conservatism touches everyone, you know, and I think that we're also learning right now that American evangelical Christianity for the for the white people, which we are white, you know, and we've been a part of, you know, I think that a lot of people who were adults and young adults in that time and were parents in that time who had been Christians their whole life they were really cultural Christians and they think that to be a Christian looks like this certain thing. And so they're trying to teach a way of life and not the way of Jesus. Right. Like it was so, so separate, you know, and I want to pause and I want us to make it really clear what we believe about purity really quick so that we can give sort of a different and more beautiful picture. Yeah. Okay. I believe purity is beautiful and good. Mm. I think people, having a healthy sexual ethic is beautiful and good. Um, I don't think that children should be sexualized so young. I don't think girls should be sexualized so young. Right. I think boys get sexualized in sort of the opposite way where it's projected onto them that they're going to become these horn dogs. Right. Like, and I, I actually think that like purity and even abstaining from, from sex those can be great choices and I know that was your choice Mm -hmm. and and Barry's choice that's been my choice the thing is I just haven't felt like encumbered by purity culture it's not this big holy reason but it's a reasonable like conclusion I've come to for why I continue to be a virgin (laughs) um I mean, it says a lot about who I am, I think. And I don't mean that as a pat on the back. I just mean I haven't even kissed anyone in like a decade. And I mean, not for lack of trying, but like also (laughs) I've had chances and I just didn't want to, you know, like I, I think I take very seriously what I do with my body, especially when it involves another person. Yeah. And, um, and I don't feel God breathing down my neck at those things, but instead it's like very formed by this desire to honor and dignify myself and others you know right and I was taught that through what I learned about the Bible and what I learned about Jesus I wasn't taught that because someone gave a purity talk or a seminar um, teaching me what I need to do as a woman and a girl you know Um, I think a lot of times those things just rolled off my back and that was like to my benefit in my life so I, yeah, I just, I wanted to pause and make it clear and, and I'll, I want you to do the same like that. We agree that like waiting till marriage was like the best choice for us. For and sure. I think it's a great choice. Mm-hmm. I just think you need to have a good enough like foundation 
on that that and it's a very different foundation we're talking about than the one that we were taught right yeah I agree I mean I agree with everything you said and I think that's the key and honestly I mean I think that's the key to like faith and faith too it's like why do you believe what you believe because people told you to believe that or like where like where does Mm. that come from you know but yeah like yeah I don't regret my decision at all to um wait to have sex till I was married I think that is the best decision for for myself and it it's been great um so yeah like I 100% back that but I do think that I know for me like I'm such a rule follower and also I didn't I didn't have like I was very naive I guess in this mindset but like because I didn't have Christian family I just took like I took a I soaked so much in and took a lot to heart of like what everyone was telling all the Christian like yeah leaders in my life and like friends or their parents whoever I took it all the heart they're like well they have to know because they're Christians and like they were raised this Mm. and they're a pastor like whatever they say that's got to be gold and like I mean thankfully I didn't learn anything like horrible I mean there's definitely some things that I've had to unlearn for sure but like Mm -hmm. thankfully it wasn't like cultish but um yeah I mean I did hear things like be careful with your kisses every kiss you give away is one you're not left for your husband or something like that things like that (laughs) where I'm like I'm looking now I'm looking back like I mean I'm not I wouldn't go around just kissing whoever but like I wouldn't live in fear or shame if I dated a guy and kissed him and then he ended up not being my husband like absolutely like that's not okay either you know yeah so yeah. Well, you okay? You remember when I was like, I'm only ever gonna kiss my husband. Yeah. Do you remember me yeah. then? Yeah. Okay. So I was like 13, 14. Probably by the time I was 15, I was like, yeah, that's not realistic. But then I thought, well, maybe if I only ever date my husband and like the first guy I date is who I'll marry. Yeah. That also felt somehow realistic to me. Probably until I was 20. Yeah. <laughs> and even my ex boyfriend said to me what what is your problem with loving someone who you don't end up marrying I think that was his way of saying I don't think I'll marry you Bridget but um but I don't think he saw as much of a problem with it as I did right and I think it comes from this dynamic you're getting at definitely I think because this is a thing boys are given the pass Mm -hmm. you're so visual you're you're sexually driven you have tons of hormones, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Girls, you need to protect your brothers. Don't let them stumble. So mm-hmm. we are not allowed to date or make any mistakes or do anything. But if the boys do, well, they can't help themselves. Like, boys will be boys kind of thing. And we're doing a huge detriment to both genders, honestly. Because yep. we are letting boys off and excusing them. And that's where you can get down the very slippery slope of excusing what we do in this culture excusing rape and excusing Mm -hmm. um sexual abuse and stuff like that because yep well he can't help himself she should have covered she should have worn a longer skirt or whatever and like not allowing them to take accountability for their own actions and Mm -hmm. like we if you tell boys from i don't know age eight however this young this starts that they can't help themselves like then they're gonna just believe that and be like well I can't help myself whatever and then some of that's not to their like I mean yes they can help themselves but like if that's all they've been told like of course they know they're gonna get a pass with whatever they do 
Yes. When they can actually be held responsible. And not all, not every single guy is that highly sexually driven either. Like, yeah. You know, so we're putting a bunch of stereotypes on them. And then, and then what you're doing to women is putting the weight of your sexual, like, journey, walk, whatever, and the weight of the males all on the woman. Like, I'm responsible yep. for myself and then also for how... Um, my brothers in Christ are. Yeah, and it's okay that they feel that way, but if I feel desiring, it's shameful. Right. And so that's just so, such mixed messages. Right. And then it's also like, so I can't let them stumble, um, so I don't want to like do or wear anything that could make me like feel good or pretty or confident or attractive <laughs> but then also how am I ever gonna like get married if I'm like not that you just get married based on attraction but like obviously there is an attraction to the person yeah. that you date or marry like how do you ever feel confident or comfortable in your own skin or in what you wear to date someone if you're constantly like oh am I covered up enough oh my gosh my shoulder's showing like my, yeah. my dress is one inch above my knee like I think too with that like when we're really so focused on like like it seems like there's a lot of projection right like and I don't know if it's yeah. projection of this personal thing but it's this like religious ethic that's like meant to control um I think that you know what you're saying it's like we're doing a disservice to both boys and girls right we're not giving the boys any credit like not only are we not like holding them accountable or saying like look your actions have consequences um which i think we do with other things i just think with this particular one it's weird yeah um but i think that yeah we don't give them credit that like they can have the ability to control themselves and be dignified and dignify women like dignify girls like right treat treat girls fairly and kind right yeah and instead of equipping them with those tools we just excuse their behavior yeah and then with the girls it's like shame from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and that's what somebody responded on the instagram how has purity culture impacted you and all they said was shame Mm -hmm. and I just thought, yeah, that's the biggest fruit of purity culture. Mm-hmm. Um, even probably for guys. If a guy hears, oh, yeah, you're just like this. You're going to mess up in this way without giving more to that. But just being like, yeah, guys are just my dad said the word horn dogs a lot for guys. And I just I'm like, man, but what if they're not like yeah, <laughs> what? It, you know, it's like. I do think that for both boys and girls, you have to say when when you make a mistake or when you mess up, when you go too far with somebody, like farther than you should have. And I don't even think that that only applies to Christians, right? Like everyone knows in their heart when they maybe did a little too much (laughs) right? or, you know, like showed a part of themselves that the other person didn't earn you know like it's like too vulnerable in that way yeah yeah yeah. and like that this is like physical vulnerability you know and it makes sense why we want it you know I think that's what kids need to hear 
like we get taught that our bodies go through changes, but they don't. And then they, we get taught about what sex is biologically, but we don't necessarily get taught what this is going to feel like, how it's going to impact us. And I'm 30 and I've had to deal with my own hormones and horniness for like years. <laughs> and the last couple years, it's been worse because I think my body's like, why aren't you making babies? Like, I'm very confused, Bridget. Right. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of people ahead of me that could tell me that. Of Like, being sexless at 30 <laughs> is a little rougher than, like, when you're younger. Right. Um, you know, it just... They say things about women's sexual peak versus men's, you know, and that it's later and stuff like that. But I just think even as girls, if we were told, like, you're going to want physical affection, you're going to want sexual attention just as much. Right. Um, yeah. So here's how we approach that. Like, and not necessarily giving, like, rules, but giving tools, tools. Yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, because it's not if you run into these situations, but when. Right. Right? Like, you will absolutely be in a situation. I mean... More likely than not, like I say to so many of my students, my college freshman girls, when they're like, oh, Bridget, like one of my students said to me the first week I knew her, I was 27. And she said, my heart breaks for you (laughs) because she never wanted to be single at 27. And I said, well, my heart doesn't break for me. I laughed at her actually, like very loudly because I was (laughs) like, oh, are you so worried And you're like nine years younger than me, you know, and (laughs) she's getting married this November. So she's good. Um, But that happens a lot where, you know, I am this like for young girls, young Christian girls, too, who think marriage is just a given because it's talked about like that. Right. In the church. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Our roles as like a wife and a mother are supposedly given. But um, in very important like if you don't have it there's something wrong with you exactly so i'm like an example of like the opposite of what they all were taught to be and that almost drives me to want to be it more (laughs) you know yeah there's a lot of reasons i want to be this this person who's single and a virgin and like you know stick into it and being a leader and pressing through even when everything comes up against me um, because we're fighting against culture. You know, you're fighting against things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Right. Um, so I, I wish, and I sort of am like pledging, this is my pledge night. Um, <laughs> I'm pledging that like, I want to have better conversations with my university college students. Yeah. Because, they, I mean, I've heard it all. I've heard every story you can imagine under the sun when it comes to sexual experiences of college students. I wish I hadn't, you know, but that sort of comes with the territory of my job. And so it has to be a conversation of when this happens. Mm-hmm. Because what students need to know, what kids need to know, is God loves you no matter what. And that what you experience, what you choose, or what is thrust upon you, if you are abused, if you chose it for yourself, whatever it is, you're the same exact loved as before. Right. You know, like same exact value. And this is why I believe in the gospel is because 
it's the only place that it does not matter what you do or don't do. You are still just as valuable and loved. And purity culture goes exactly against the message of the gospel. Yeah, It tells you you can earn some kind of holiness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's why I'm pledging. I'm trying to say, look, like from now on, I'm going to be really honest. And I mean, I have been more one-on-one, but I think I want to make it more a part of like intentional conversations I have with students to say like, because how many friends have I had who they like lost their virginity in college, even though they were, you know, in our Christian community and they thought that like, well, they can't, they can't be close to God anymore, you know? Right. And my students too, like that's so false. You know, it's so false. If you're letting sex get in the way of you and God, like (laughs) then yeah, maybe, maybe what you believed before wasn't real. Let's believe the real thing now, you know, like, yeah. So, and I think this all stems from the, that core of like really false theology being taught to us. Right, kids. for sure. Well, yeah, and I think it, it comes back to those two things, like the boys being given a pass until they can't control themselves and, like, the girls being filled with shame. And so it's like, like, I'm a mom of a boy, and, like, my son is extremely intelligent. Like, he's four, yeah, he but he's still very smart. Like, and we don't talk about this yet because it, there's not a need to, but, like, when yeah. it comes time where we're ready to start talking slowly about like sex and anatomy and all that kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, Cause he'll ask. Yeah. And I mean, like, and that's we've started inevitable. small, like anatomical terms and stuff, like normalizing those things to make it weird and awkward yeah. because I didn't have any of that. Nobody talked to me about anything until like a week before I got married. Um, but yeah. like, I want to teach my son, like, well, we already talk now about body bubbles and boundaries and, like, when somebody asks you to stop or they say no, you do it. Like, they don't have to ask kindly. If they say stop, no, don't, you you just stop. Whether you're trying to give them a hug, a high five, or you're wrestling them and they, like, whatever it is, you know? And, like, <laughs> yeah. he's smart. He understands that, you know? So I would never just put on him, like, oh, you're not going to be able to help yourself, like... I would, instead of just giving him a pass and excusing whatever kind of behavior, I would want to, like, fuel him with tools. Like, yeah, yeah. actually, you're probably, you might have these feelings or, like, whatever. And here's, here's how, what you could do about that. Or, like, here's how you could help, like, instead of, like, girls help your brothers in Christ, like, why don't we just help each other? Like, like we're yeah. supposed to do in the body of Christ, like, edify each other, build each other up, like, support each other why isn't girls support your brothers but boys um you can't help yourself so go have fun it's okay whatever you do it's fine because you can't help yourself like why not say like here's how you could support your girlfriend in your relationship like here's a tool to use or whatever Mm -hmm. as you're or a girl you're thinking about or a girl you have a crush on like here's a way that you could respect her or whatever like here's some tools for you to use as you go about your life and date whoever and like same with my daughter I would like want her to feel confident and beautiful and like and you know have a good body image and say why are you wearing that are you wearing it because you think that this will give you like you want boys to bring it are you wearing because you want to because I do think there's something to that like yeah for sure (laughs) like I think it's fine you want to wear 
I don't know, like a, I a think neat, part a of low cut top, but like a lot, yeah. I think it comes down to like why though, like yeah, I think a part of like our being sexualized so young can make you go the way we went, which I think was a little bit more towards shame and like you know shyness and stuff, or you could go the opposite way, which is like big middle finger to this. I'm going to show off my body. And being a little bit more interested in sexualizing yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I ha- I know so many girls, so many of my girlfriends who just wanted to be sexy before they even, like, were that old, you know? And I think there's, that also comes from an unhealthy place, you know? Right. It's different than, like, wearing a, a fashion crop top, right? Like, and being like, I love this. I look hot. Like, you know? I mean, so so often women say we dress for each other, right? Like, right. For compl- that, which is kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> a compliment from a guy, I think, comes a lot with a lot more skepticism. <laughs> but then from a woman, you're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell my husband that all the time. Like, I'm not getting dressed for you. I'm getting dressed for <laughs> yeah. the girls like, at the party. You're, like, happy. Yeah, totally happy of the, the man you love, you know, yeah. likes how you look. But... It's just, it's funny. I, yeah, I think that when I was younger, I knew which of my friends would become teen moms. I knew. And I'm not trying to say this. It sounds so like kind of controversial or judgy. But I knew because of the things that they chased when we were young. And I knew how quickly they wanted to be physical with guys at such a young age and I just knew it was right around the corner for them. And, and I was right. I mean, it happened for a lot of them and you know, I don't think they'd take it back for anything because they have kids now. So like their kids are precious, but I do think that that stuff happens a lot because people aren't talking enough, you know, and parents aren't equipped. They don't know what to do. Right. And, so I just like love that we can bust open this conversation and as people our age are becoming parents, you know, like mm-hmm. I think a lot more people our age are just having babies right now and um, yeah. you've jumped fully into like grown up children, <laughs> not really, but kind of Yeah, have one of each kind of um, and a cross cultural experience too, which is like a whole other layer. But yeah, because um, period parity culture is a global thing. Oh, yeah, totally. And And patriarchy is pretty global, too, right? right? So, and that'll be interesting. Like, if we as leaders of young people and parents um, can be guides for young people, for children, right? Guides for them. um, Help them have the tools to make good decisions and healthy decisions, The thing is, like, you can't stop a kid from having sex. You just can't. Um, And I don't think guilt and shame is the way to help them, you know, make a good choice. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So I've just I've noticed, I think, in my, you know, eight plus years of ministry that the times that I have felt trapped and my students have felt trapped is when we're going down a path that feels a little bit more like managing behavior rather Mm -hmm. than like really getting at the heart of the issue you know and so helping 
people understand themselves. Where are they coming from? Why do they want what they want? Yeah. Is what they want going to be a fix, right? And ultimately it leads us back to our hope, right? Which is in Jesus. And like, I don't think Jesus ever had sex. So like <laughs> one thing he didn't get to experience and I, that's not verified, but I'm pretty sure, you know, and um, he lived the best life that you could live. Maybe the most traumatic one as well, but <laughs> right. like he had a full life. And I think that's the thing I want people to hear when I talk about singleness is like, whether singleness is thrust upon you, whether it's chosen, whether it's a result of a marriage breaking or, you know, yeah, something that you feel like a victim of. Right. You don't have to have this awful life. And even with sex, like if you aren't having sex, um, your, your life doesn't have to be boring and even non-sensual like I think that there there's so much about our sexuality and sensuality and physicality that like needs to be awake and needs to be explored and I don't even think that we have the tools or language for that within our Christian community yet yeah for sure it's not necessarily even what this episode's about but I'm like I've talked to you about this before obviously yeah um so, but you know, yeah, I think that I hope that I can be a voice in this place in the coming years for people yeah. to say, look, like I'm still trying to figure it out for me. Um, and then also I think this is imperative because how many kids out there are being told this is what it means to be a boy. This is what it means to be a girl. And they are so confused because they don't feel like they fit in those things. Because of their own, like, if they have body dysmorphia or if they, like, have, you know, same-sex attraction and, like, yeah, they feel even more shame. I can't talk about this <laughs> because I'm being told very much I have to fit in this, like, you know, binary and uh, of sexuality and gender. Like, yeah, we, we can't be good guides for people if that's the case. Like, if, if we're trying to make them be one thing or one other thing. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that's been my heart, too, in these conversations. It's just, like, I mean, I didn't walk away from my youth group experiences, like, completely damaged. But I definitely walked away having to unlearn a lot of things. And, like, and realizing, yeah. like, I had some body, I had a lot of body image issues without yeah. this stuff. But that stuff added to it. And, mm-hmm. like, and not only that, but, like, it it also adds to the struggle of getting married very well not even getting married very young just getting married because you go from like sex is bad sex is bad sex is bad stay pure don't have sex and then you get married and it's like okay do whatever you want good luck have fun bye and like that's the end of it and so it's like yeah one day difference right right one day I'm like okay what no okay (laughs) well that's it and just like my heart like to really help boys and girls like because I think we're doing them both a disservice um to one like the unlearning of the purity culture but also like we need to talk about sex in the Christian culture before you get married like why are we waiting till 
you get married to talk about it. Like, yeah, because like, hey, did you figure it out? <laughs> right. Like <laughs> if they're virgins, you, you'll figure it out. And it's like, yeah, but you just spent my whole like life up until this point telling me as a woman, it's bad for me to have any kind of like sexual feelings. Like yeah. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to make be attractive or make my brothers in Christ stumble and I'm also not ever supposed to be sexy, and now all of a sudden I can be sexy, and I'm not making him stumble, and also I'm allowed to have all these sexual feelings all in one day, <laughs> all of a sudden. That's like Wild. Yeah, and that's so much to unpack, especially if you get married as a virgin um, or at a young age. Like, yeah, it's just so much, and we, like, I think it can rob you in your marriage, too, because you're you're spending so much time like especially as a woman I mean I don't know what it like maybe for the boy probably yeah I've also we talked about this like the girl's weight of like oh right now I'm no longer responsible of being the like seductive like mistress anymore and like Mm -hmm. I can be a like that weight is is like now off you when you're married and so just like all all of that like transforming you have to do in one day like that's super like that takes more than a day to get over you know but yeah I mean it's like a trauma right yeah I was gonna say that it is like a trauma and but like there's not really any I think there's now starting to become resources for things like that but also we shouldn't be waiting till we're married to have those resources like we should be if we talked about instead of preaching just like abstinence if we talked about these things and like talked about all the things that we're talking about earlier on in life then I don't one I think that if it it would be more normal and not such this like forbidden fruit that people want so bad and then two yeah that's true I think that it could it could just make for healthier humans because we'd have healthier (laughs) like body like um yeah image but then also like healthier marriages because yeah. I just want to say as a married person, like, one, yes, sex is great, but that's not all a marriage is. It's so much more than that. But, like, in the especially <laughs> in the Christian culture, we put a lot of weight on that part because it's, like, so forbidden. And it's, like... Yeah. But that's, like, that's not what your whole marriage is. I certainly hope not because it's not going to, like... I, I hope there's more to your marriage than sex. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There should be a relationship there and, like... And intimacy isn't just physical. Like, there's so much more to it. Like, yes. And well, and to say, like, sex isn't always easy or beautiful. No, like, no. it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to have good sex, like, you have to practice and get, like, work on it. For you know? Sure. Yeah. And, and it is super vulnerable. Like, and for me, why I probably would never be able to do it with someone other than my husband because. Uh, it is so vulnerable, like just so like yeah. there's just a lot that happens, you know. But yeah, then, yeah. I just and I also just want to say like because I'm on here and I'm married that like because you were kind of saying this like you can live a very fulfilled life without sex, but also without marriage. Like I, mm-hmm. I mean, I love my husband and I love being married, but it doesn't solve all your problems. Like yeah, because we got married so young. We came into our marriage with baggage we didn't even realize we had. Yeah, because we didn't for know sure. And I was like, oh wow, 
I have to work on this and you have to work on that. Like we got a lot of things to work and heal. Like you don't have to Mm -hmm. be fully healed to be married, but um, it also doesn't make you fixed when you get married either. Yeah. And that is a bit of what people will hear is they'll hear like, like when you were so running after God, that's when all of a sudden poof, your husband appears like as if it's when you guys are holy. Right. You know, or another thing I hear in the same way, and this is like this holiness kind of like sanctification um, language, which again, like simplifies things way too much in my opinion. Right. It's like there are ways marriage sanctifies you that that singleness won't. And I'm like, okay, sure. But can't I have a close relationship with a friend who knows me really well, like a roommate? And just because I'm not sleeping in the same bed as them or having sex with them (laughs) doesn't mean that they can't know my deep crap or we won't have conflict that we need to work through that helps me be sanctified. Like, we really take a weight off of um, friendship and, you know, those kind of, like, companions who can be there in those same ways, you know. And that's, like, you know, it's, like, the only difference, seriously, with some of my some of my closest friendships, like with Dom, who lives with me, is that we do not have sexual feelings for each other <laughs> and we're not having sex with each other. Like, right. I am crazy about Dom. She's like a favorite human of all. And I am like so excited to go home and hang out with her. And we know each other. And like when we have conflict, I mean, she's a nine on the Enneagram, so it's not really that ever big of a deal. <laughs> But we talk through, like, understanding each other. And I can just, like, pour out my heart to her, you know. And, like, she knows me, you know, as much as someone can. Right, yeah. You know, and so sometimes I worry that I'm hearing from married men at the pulpit that have this very narrow experience. Right. And I think to myself, I don't know that you can speak to me as a 30-year-old single woman and tell me that I have less chance to be sanctified or that there's like levels and, you know, areas of sanctification. You don't know my experience, you know. Yeah. Just like I don't know marriage either, but you've taught me so much. Like, you know, I mean, because you've been married so long, our friendship it hasn't changed. Like it's just gotten better. You know, it, I think that was probably a fear at the beginning. I don't think it was for me. I think my fear happened when you guys started dating Yeah. because a lot of Christians, when we were so serious like that, the first person you date, you're like, that's who you're going to marry. And it's not true. Right. Which happened to be for me, but it was, it was your truth. And we did have to go through sort of like figuring it out. How do we be friends when you're very committed to this other person. Right. Um, because like I said, Felicia and I were on the phone every day or, in, or hanging out in the car, you know, driving around, getting Jamba. Like, <laughs> this was our life. And then Barry stole her from me, even though I allowed it. Like, I was a part of it. <laughs> I mean, it was also but, long distance, so it worked out pretty well for you, though. <laughs> that's true. It's true. Um, but then we were long distance. And, and have been ever since. I, <laughs> yes, and have been ever since. And I think that... Um, you know, you getting married, I wouldn't have wanted you guys to be dating much longer. Like when you date for four years, like it's just doesn't make sense to 
just keep dating, you know, um, when you can, you can totally like start a new life together. But I just think that we don't, we just don't prepare ourselves, you know, enough for what it looks like, you know, and um, I just, I do think that so much of this emphasis on, on sex kind of like detracts from the whole, you know, and so I, it's funny, I know a lot of people who listen are married, you know, and I think that sort of the reason is because they relate to a lot of the topics. Sola is really about relationship and a big part of having solidarity and singleness is with your married friends. And yeah, my married friends need me just as much as I need them, Mm -hmm. you know, and like I've, I've been really blessed by a lot, like, like half of my friends, half of my closest friends are married and then half of them aren't, you know, I like, I feel really lucky that way, but, um, yeah, I'm not living in some singleness bubble and I'm not also like the only single person out there (laughs) in my life. So that's good. But something you said that was sort of like kind of sparking something in me was like, even if we say we get to have what you and I are like talking about, like this vision of like talking way ahead of time and, and early and often about sex and sexuality with young people and the intersection with it, with faith Mm -hmm. um, and how that can really help young people grow into like really amazing. I don't know, maybe disciples of Jesus, yeah, but just even people who dignify one another. I think there's the other side of the coin is like we also need to be able to know what the conversations we need to have after they make mistakes. Yeah. Whether it's mistakes in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the church or in their own heart, or if they really did hurt somebody or if they got majorly hurt, how do we have those conversations? Because I don't know that the church is a safe place for people who have been divorced or for single mothers or for people who are still having tons of sex with their boyfriend, but actually really want to know Jesus and are still working it out, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Or LGBTQ community who like also need to like work out their, who they are. And like, but if, but if they feel like they can't have access to Jesus, that's where we've gone wrong, you know, like, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And so so I guess that's what I'm like trying to champion, even in having this conversation is like, we want people to know that they have access to the gospel and they have access to Jesus. And no matter what, there's literally not a case in which you cannot other than you saying, I don't want it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that like that's all of those, like all of the um, people, types of people that you just mentioned, like, all of that starts with shame, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'm a single mom. Oh, oh, you're a single mom. Oh, you made a mistake. Shame. Oh, you're divorced. Oh, shame. Oh, LGBTQ. Mm, that's unbiblical shame. Like, yeah. you know, like, like we just do that. Like, I mean, all those, all, the reason why all those people don't feel like they have access to the church is, is because of shame. Because, because yeah, because of the church. We, my pastor said something today in his sermon. He said, we need to stop acting like sin is a level thing it's a separation thing 
you know, it's not, mm -hmm. there's not levels in, but we do that in church. And I, I'm not trying to say that about those type of people or whatever, but I'm just saying like, we do that. Like we compare and say, well, you messed up. I didn't do that. Like, and so, so instead of like, yeah, I'm better owning than you. the <laughs> fact that like sin is sin, we, we level it up and then shame and judge people and cast them off and, and then don't let them have, like, we don't let them have access to Jesus. We don't even have the place to do that, but somehow we, absolutely we've manipulated that power. Yeah. And I would even go as far as to say, we call lots of things sin that aren't even sin that are just natural human experience. Right. Like, right. I mean, yeah. Desire. There's, <laughs> it's not sin. Well, yeah. And I mean, there are, and we, we call our small groups at my church life groups, but we've had a few different women in my life group that were either going through or just recently divorced. And it's not their fault. Like they had, unfortunately had some very a-hole ex-husbands that just like, yeah. like that's not their fault, you know? Yeah. You're like, not like, oh, you sinner. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like called empathy and compassion. Like, man, that, and like, you know, their heart is breaking. The fact that they have to tell, like, I mean, they don't have to tell, but they're like, I never thought I'd say these words, but I'm going through a divorce right now. All, all three of them said that. And I'm just like, yeah, like they already have enough shame and sadness and brokenness yeah. because regardless of what that man did to them, they obviously love them at some point. Like, mm -hmm. why do I need to go in there with my like, well, what did you do? Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, what they need is for me to be empathetic and say like, gosh, that really sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, how could I help you? Like, what do you, what do you need in this time? Like, yeah, something I've learned the phrase, what do you need goes so far because that's really mm. what people want when they, when they share something big or confess something or whatever. And like, I think that can go with the, what do you do after you mess up? Like, what do you need right now? What do you need for me? Do you want empathy? Do you want me to pray for you do you want what do you need you know <laughs> yeah I and I really am of the idea that people for the most part are very deeply in touch with their brokenness they know yeah, what sure. it is yeah you know and so it's like is that my job to tell someone how broken they are absolutely not you know but but that's why I like that question you just said because you're not saying Let's focus on how broken you are. Yeah. But what do you need? That Isaiah 6, when Isaiah has this, he has this image of um, like the holy of holies, like, you know, so maybe like the throne room of God or like heaven. And, you know, these angels are worshiping, but um, Isaiah falls down and he's like, he says, um, like, basically like, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, like wretched man that I am. And so like being in the very presence of God, which I think people sometimes being like in my presence or seeing my posts, they feel some kind of like conviction, condemnation, you know, like shame, um, guilt, whatever, because they're, they know, they already know. Right. And I'm, I'm never really trying to point fingers, but I get it. You know, when, that's why it's scary. It's scary to come before God because you're like, I messed up yeah, <laughs> and you're not, you know, if you believe in the God we believe in. Right. Um, all that to say is like Isaiah immediately, like, and you see this happen with Jesus and some of the disciples when they see his glory, when they see his miracles, they immediately repent. And you're thinking, that's so weird. Why do you just like the first thing on seeing God's glory is repent. But I think it's because like 
they know. They know how messed up they are in the face of perfection, you know, and 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 it's like your soul knows what you were made for, which was to not be broken. And then what does God do? He doesn't go, hmm. Yes, let's talk about this, Isaiah. You're so messed up. Let's spend some time here. He actually sends, I mean, it's like a vision. So even in the vision, it seems like this metaphorical thing, but he sends a hot coal to like clean his lips, you know, to purify his lips. He's like, all right, great. Yeah. So you said you're a man of unclean lips. Let me clean them. Um, And only God can do that. You know, I can't, I can't do that for someone. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But like, Anyway, I just like God's immediate response to our repentance, to our coming before him just as like broken as we are is, is grace, is a gift. You know, it's not condemnation. But the church, I think so often um, responds with condemnation. I think they, honestly, I think they partner with the enemy the accuser. Yeah, for sure. This We've like, made ourselves judges. Yeah. No wonder so many people want to run from the church. Like, I'm like, yeah, run. If that's what it is, run. <laughs> but yeah, this is our, this is our new pledge night, Felicia, to be people who raise up a generation <laughs> who, you know, like know that with, with Jesus, there's only grace and like, you're never too far gone. You're never having to earn his love and his acceptance. It's yours freely if you want it, you know. So you just have to let him lead you. That's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's not, that's not easy, but. No. It's, it is the most free thing. And that's what people want is they want to be free. You know, they want, they want to be themselves. They want to feel like they're allowed to wear that crop top (laughs) i keep using crop top i love that but but that's real because yeah i haven't felt free to wear a crop top so and you should (laughs) so like the other day on polo felicia like (laughs) what i said i might be too old (laughs) that's fair um but if i'm not you're not so (laughs) but the other day on, on polo felicia like was like doing her hair and her belly showed like she described in class. So, you know, like she gets in trouble for, then she says to me, sorry if my, like I'm flashing in my belly, but like, she's a very tall person. So it's like, like, I don't don't even know. Like like, normal, like there's average height women. (laughs) There's not like, it's not like sexy. Like it's just your, your long belly. Yeah. Like (laughs) anyway, all that to say is she goes, sorry. And then she goes, ah, whatever. You probably don't care. Which is true, but it's just funny. You're like a grown up and you don't even have to worry about what your best friend thinks. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's still and ingrained. it's ingrained in you. But I will say this on my 30th birthday, you wore a crop top for your outfit and you rocked it. And I know it was so uncomfortable for you, mm-hmm. but I'm proud of you because you. like you're so cute and it was fun and it was because it was 80s themed and like yeah anyway so good but so we can overcome (laughs) it's true we can i mean i i've worked my way back up to a two-piece so i don't know why i can't do a crack top (laughs) yeah 
it's true. I've actually still not done the two piece yet, but um, I was feeling inspired by Dom's recent post on Instagram. Oh yeah, she's such a baddie. It's hard I'm for like, tall people to find uh, one pieces. Yeah, I believe that. So. I I have a glorious time with one pieces, but <laughs> I also just don't even know if I like swimming. So that's like another thing. But um, yeah, it's not my favorite. I do but like I getting like, hot like when it's hot. I'm like okay with it. Yeah. But. Thanks for, you know, being part of Sola. Oh, it's been for awesome. Having me. I, yeah, I feel like we could talk forever about this subject. I think we scratched the surface. And mm-hmm. I do want to say for any of you out there who've listened and maybe know us from, you know, our youth group days or whatever, like we're grown women and we've um, developed the way we have as spiritual leaders in our our circles with the beliefs we have out of the conviction of what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, and so... If you're worried that we've gone off the beaten path with some of the things we believe because we're so far from what y'all raised us to believe or like what you think we should have been raised to believe, I just want you to check yourself because I'm a grown up and um, I'm also a minister of the faith to young people and they find Jesus all the time and it's amazing. Um, So yeah, I just felt the need to say that because I don't know who will listen to this. Yeah. And um if you're feeling like dissonance in your heart thinking, did they just like say it's okay to have sex before marriage? No, we didn't. But we definitely said that um, there's a better way forward to talk about this stuff. Uh There's probably a lot more that um, we're allowed to explore (laughs) as humans when it comes to our desires. than I think we were taught, which was just to shut everything up and shut it down Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really encouraged with this generation, Felicia. I don't know if you feel that way too. I just think they're so open and they're so, they want to be, they want to love their neighbor. Like I can tell that about them. They want to do unto others as they would have them, you know, like they're like the golden rule people and they want to serve the least of these two. And that's just exciting to me. Like, um, so I'm hopeful. They've also grown up during like these movements with BLM and me too. And mm-hmm. talking about this stuff more openly yeah. um, and decrying this stuff. Like that's so good. We didn't have that. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think we had any movements, yeah. but, but we're such, we're such little feminists, aren't we? So yeah. All right. Are there any last words you'd like to say to the Sola audience? Um, I think along the lines of what you just said about, the checking yourself thing. There is a difference between the Bible and legalism. So, yeah, just I think sometimes a lot of times people think like this is the way it's always been and no one's ever questioned it. And it's like, but has it always been that way because it's the Bible or just because that was like the legalistic religious thing to do? So, yeah. And even on that, what that reminds me of is like when Jesus is going through and he said, you say this law, but I say this thing. And he always, like, mentions the heart. Yeah. Um, and he goes, like, further. Like, he's like, you have this rule, but, like, what about this? Like, <laughs> let's, like, call people higher than that, you know? And uh, so in some ways, what we believe about, like, you know, gosh, I don't even want to use the same language as before, but, like, you know, abstaining, having, like, just not having sex with anyone until you're married. Um, and then you can have sex with anyone. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, 
not having sex with anyone but your spouse. Um, I think like there's a way in which like the invitation we make is like also a high call, but we want to strip away all the like religiosity from it. Right. Yeah. Pump it full of like heart and right. And not of shame. Like it's not a dis, it's just like when you come to Christ, like, are you coming to Christ because you're afraid of writing in hell or like, you know, like it's not, it's, it's not about a shame thing, you know? Yeah. No, because you, you love him, right? Like, you just love him. That's why you come to Christ. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, the same thing. Like, it's it's a making a decision out of, like, you want to because you know the Bible and you know Jesus. Like, not because you're shamed into doing it. And, oh, I'm going to be the worst, yeah. of, the worst of the worst. And, like, that's what happens when you have sex before you get married. You're a teen mom. Like, I mean... <laughs> It could, but, like, God yeah. doesn't. and it's, like, and what's the worst thing about being a teen mom? You get on TV? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's so true. I, I love that you've made that connection a couple times during this episode of, like, making a, like, really informed decision about, like, what you're going to do in regards to your, like, you know, virginity or whatever. Mm-hmm. It needs to be well thought out. It needs to be from a heart of, like, love and desire and... It needs to be very clear and not legalistic, right? So that's really cool. I think that's a great note to end on. Again, thanks so much. I love you. Love you. You guys pray for Felicia. She moves to Ethiopia to have her daughter as her daughter. Yes. um, As her in-person daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it'll be so great. Um, Yeah, and pray for Barry and Sega as well. They're going to travel in the midst of a pandemic and have to wear a mask on a plane for hours which is like it's okay it'll be okay but 20 hours in total (sighs) goodness gracious um yeah so pray for them felicia your blog it's adventures with the jordans yeah right adventure with the jordans adventure with the jordans dot wordpress.com and you can read her past blogs you can read the most recent ones and like as she's updating it and there's also a chance to go on her um to like sign up for her newsletter that she'll send out with updates because mm-hmm. she's she'll be teaching with um what's the organization called teach beyond yeah. mm-hmm. um they do clearly they do stuff all over the world but they do so if you just want to support her in prayer if you want to like follow along in her journey she and barry are such legit people like they're inspiring to me and and they're my friends like I mean I don't think they're like above me or below me but they inspire me (laughs) so I'm like really blessed to know them sorry I didn't have you on sooner no it's fine (laughs) we needed to get to our topic right yeah (laughs) I don't know if I would have had a lot to say on other things so true you don't even know what it's like to be single you forget honestly that's true yeah Mm mm-hmm You've been married since you were 12. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's my favorite joke for people who got married young. <laughs> yeah, but we did start dating when, when I was 17. So in, in all truthfulness, my singleness journey is very short-lived. And- very short. And all of our journeys are different. Well, listeners, thank you so much for this extra long episode. Hope it didn't, you know, take you like five different car rides to listen to it. <laughs> uh, love you guys. Feel free to message me on the instagram page or at solidarity podcast at gmail.com 
anytime. I actually should probably go check that soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.